This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Matthew. And I'm Molly. And I'm still getting over a cold, so there's going to be some scratchy and like throat clearing bits. I didn't bits. know you had a cold. You didn't tell me. I thought yeah. you told me everything. I... Okay, I'll, I'll keep you. I'll keep you apprised of, of all of my viral situations from now on. Okay. I, I went viral. You went viral. In, of course, on an you internal did. basis. Okay, it was pretty dicey there for a couple of days. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, we're back. Oh, and this is the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. Yeah, and it's early December. Mm-hmm. I think that this is a fine time of year to talk about. My favorite grain, which is farro. I think this might be my favorite. I mean, rice is my favorite grain, but in, in terms well, okay. of whole grains, yes, yes. I think farro might be my favorite grain. Have we gotten to the point where everyone knows what this is? Do I even know exactly what this is? Okay, well, I was the one who did the research for this mm-hmm. episode. So you can tell me and what I, this is. I can is. tell you what it is. And I can tell you also that it is just straight up kind of confusing. Okay. So even after I tell you <laughs> what it is. straight up confusing. We are going to be, think... <laughs> we're going to tell it to you straight. It's confusing. So I think even after I explain to you what it is, you're 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 still going to have some questions that I'm not going to be able to answer. I am or listeners are? Uh, everyone. Okay. Everyone. But wait, first, should we go down memory lane or do you want me to? Yeah. T- okay. Okay. Let's do it. I, I feel like I do have a faro memory lane because like sometime in like the late 90s, early 2000s, I feel like all the food people I knew started talking about this uh, this nutty Italian grain mm-hmm. and, and we, people were buying it from Bluebird Grain in Seattle mm-hmm. and, and cooking it. And when the restaurant Lark opened, uh, which is a classic Seattle, like Northwest cuisine, fine dining restaurant, Chef John Sundstrom, he one of his signature dishes was farro with creme fraiche. I remember. It's so good. It's still on the menu at Lark. It's still great. And I haven't been to Lark have been in the way first too long. Time I had farro. And that is a fantastic dish. I can still taste it. And I haven't had it in years. You know, so farro is often associated with Tuscany. So farro so good. So farro so good. And uh, yeah, I mean the late 90s was like uh, you know, uh, 
Tuscany Tuscan, had a big moment. Tuscany right? had a big moment, uh, at least in the U.S. I'm not sure about other Tuscany. Dining yeah, Tuscany cultures. came to the U.S. Tuscany came to the U.S. <laughs> it's now based, I don't know, somewhere in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. We were all under the Tuscan sun for a while there. We were uh, with is it Francis Mays, Francis Mail. No, Fra- Francis. I think Ma- Francis Mays is correct. I think, I think so. But but like then the movie was with Diane Lane and. Some Italian guy, probably. I'm not sure. I, anyway, I mean, that movie was all about like like having a, a life affirming fling with some Italian guy, right? That guy must have been exhausted since we all wanted to. That was also like the premise of Eat, Pray, Love. Interesting. <laughs> I mean, not not really surprising, I guess. I mean, I, I, it seems very life affirming in mm-hmm. general to have a, a fling with with someone in a in a, another country when yes, you're that's visiting also that country. How Stella got her groove back? Oh, Only it wasn't it wasn't in Italy. Uh, I believe it was in I Jamaica. I thought Stella got her groove back with Tay Diggs. Who doesn't want to get their groove I back? I think that's right with Tay Diggs. Okay, yeah, I'm sure, absolutely. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so. I remember when Northern Italian food came to Oklahoma City. Okay, I want to hear about this. There was a place called Portobello. Of course it was. Yeah, it was called Portobello. But also there were, you know, it started cropping up on on menus in what were otherwise sort of just more like American Italian, Italian restaurants. American restaurants, yeah. Now that I say all this, I'm not even sure if that's when I learned about Faro. I don't know when I learned about Faro, but okay, this great, has been a great real memory lane segment. Little trip down memory lane in which we all got our groove back and had flings. <laughs> that's true. I hear I hear that Faro is a grain that has a cleft, which is like a groove. <laughs> Good segue, huh? <laughs> nice. That might have been my best segue work. Wow. Okay. Ever on the show. So here's the thing. All right. So I went further than Wikipedia. To, oh, to wow. do my okay. research on Faro. <laughs> do you want a medal or something? I wound up. Um, so, uh, what Here, I was, you can have my, my gold, my Segway gold medal that I just received from the International Segway Institute. It seems that Faro was sort of introduced to um, the American like foodie world. Can I tell the listeners something? When I, as I made that dumb joke, I mimed taking a medal off my shot from around my neck for no reason whatsoever. Are you you were just seeing it through. You okay. have some improv training. Okay, yeah. You were just yes anding yourself. It was, I was doing some space work. Yeah, space work. Okay. Okay. Next, we'll we'll do our blocking. Okay. Anyway, so I am really yeah, struggling. What were you What were you going to say? <laughs> I I don't see why why that should throw you off your game that, that I interrupted you seven times. Uh. So anyway. So there was this article that came out in 1997 in the New York Times, and it was sort of like, meet Faro, the new grain you're in love with. Yes. That was a very helpful article because I have to say that between Wikipedia and a whole bunch of other random articles I found about Faro, I found myself thoroughly confused about what this grain actually is or isn't. Is it is it different from Kamut? <laughs> yes. Good. All right. So here's the deal. Faro, F-A-R-R-O. Uh-huh. I, I hear a lot of people say Faro, but sure. I mean, that 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 seems like a how you would pronounce it in an Americanized way. The New York Times indicates Faro. Yes, yeah, no, pro- I definitely say proper, Faro. Yeah, me too. Does this mean we're un-American? Sure. Okay, great. It's not the we're, first time. Right, you heard it here. We're, we're renouncing our citizenship right now on the show. Okay, but well, we're moving to Tuscany. That's right. We which are now, is now citizens part of, New Jersey. of Tuscany, New Jersey. Okay. 
<laughs> Faro is the grain of a, a wheat-like plant that is in the wheat family. I find this very confusing. I found places that said it Faro is a grain of a wheat plant. Faro is a grain not of a wheat plant. Uh, the closest okay, I'm is, finding is, is that it's one the of grain of a wheat-like plant. Where, where like, you know... Botanically speaking, like we have, we have like taxonomy and Latin names for these yes. things, and there's like a family of grains that are like the wheat family, and then there's one specific species that we call wheat. Right, and that is wheat that we're able to thresh and turn into flour. I, I'm able to thresh it. Yes, all night. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Anyway, okay, so Faro... It's in that family. It's in that family, all right? And it looks a lot like what you think of as a wheat plant looking mm-hmm. like. It has two spikes. Uh, anyway, it's sold dried. Like a... Like a uh, I was going to say like a triceratops, but that's three spikes. What's something with two horns? <laughs> Pretty much everything, everything with horns. A bicycle? <laughs> yeah, a bicycle or a moose. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> Those three things are all in the wheat family. Okay. So, you know, it looks like medium grain brown rice, approximately. Mm -hmm. It's light brown, although I think kind of like a richer brown than brown rice, usually. Um, And yeah, it's got this cleft grain with a subtle white stripe and a little bit of white peeking out of some of the kernels. Okay. According to the Department of Plant Genetics at the University of Florence. Okay. Oh, wow. You really went to the source. I really did. Faro is an ancient unhybridized grain. Some people might call this an heirloom grain. All right. It's an unhybridized grain that's been used for thousands of years. It probably originated in the Fertile Crescent, so like the Middle East, North Africa. Uh, It's been found among all the things, it has been found in Egyptian tombs, along with all the other things that are found in Those Egyptian tombs. Those tombs like, were just full of all kinds of shit, right? <laughs> Who knew that the pharaohs had a lot of good stuff? The pharaohs I mean, had Did you pharaoh. know that? The pharaohs had pharaoh. Um, so if it's unhybridized, does that mean that pharaoh is a diploid wheat? Because our, like, our regular wheat, I believe, is hexaploid. Oh, Matthew, I don't know. Some listener will know. Okay, yeah. It was also, so Faro, you know, ancient, ancient grain here. It was also used to feed legions of soldiers during the Roman Empire. Oh, wow. uh, So just, they just like get an allowance of grain and they had to figure out how to cook it and stuff? Or maybe. Or was, was it? Was it served like with creme fraiche? Probably, probably. Uh, I also saw somewhere they said that it was possibly even used as money in the Roman Empire. Hmm. hmm. I don't know. Like, it seems all all of like the good things about faro, like as a as a tasty like grain, a seems like a bad form of money. Yeah, very very small, <laughs> easy to slip through fingers. Exactly. Yeah. Like I I just I like my money like just slipped it through a hole in my pocket. I ate it. Uh, it it rotted. Okay. So the word faro actually refers to three different grains from three different species. Oh, okay. And I was tremendously confused by this prior to reading it, and this was very enlightening for me. So so faro refers to three different grains from three different species, spelt, emmer, and einkorn. I've heard all of those words. Right? Okay. They're all types of hulled wheat or wheat that cannot be threshed. What does... I mean, I know I just said I could thresh all night. And now I have to ask, what is thresh? So, so to thresh is to separate um, the the part of a, 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 a to separate the wheat from the chaff, basically. Okay. 
I know the chaff is 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 so something you don't want, but what pro- is it? I, you know, I always thought the chaff was like um, like the stem and like all that. I stuff. think I thought so too. But no, what I what I That's, understand now is that the chaff is is part of the actual kernel. Okay, so if it can't be threshed, we eat it whole. Oh, okay. Usually, or it cannot be threshed in the way that other wheat species can that okay. we might grind for flour or things like that. Anyway, in Italian cooking, the types are distinguished as faro grande, which oh. is spelt, faro medio, which is emmer. I like it. And faro piccolo, which is einkorn. Faro piccolo. Anyway, spelt and einkorn are not the same as what we call faro in most like common parlance. They're not interchangeable. So don't swap out like spelt berries for faro. But like it's would not that the ruin the recipe no, or would it just no, be a but, little different? No, they're just they're not the same. Okay. So here's the thing. Emmer is what we usually find in the US. In Italy they often refer to it as true faro. Okay. And that's emmer. And it's it's the most common variety you find in Italy, especially in central regions like Tuscany, Abruzzo, Umbria Anyway, but especially Tuscany, especially Tuscany. Yeah. Could we get a villa? Uh, anyway, so um, the, the Latin name is uh, Triticum diacocum. Di- diacocum. Mm, nothing funny about that word. Nope. Anyway, so that that's the, the Latin for emmer. Uh, and if it's grown in the mountainous Garfagnana region of Tuscany, it can get its own like, you know, uh, it's not a DOC, but like its own designation, like oh. verifying its origin. So it's very fancy if it comes from Garfagnana. Mm-hmm. They just call it the real shit. They call it Trufaro, indeed. Yeah, so basically it came to the U.S., even though this is a grain that's been around for ages in the Middle East and North Africa and whatever, it came to the U.S. and I would say came to prominence in like the the cooking world mm-hmm. through Italian food in the yeah. late, in the late is it, 90s. Is it something that is used outside of Italian food? Not that you can't substitute it for another like wheat berry preparation of one kind or another, but I think of it as being an Italian thing. It's hard for me to say because I I think that like, you know, Italian food has been so dominant Mm -hmm. in in the U.S. and and possibly in other Western countries. It's hard for me to separate it from that, especially since since the the late 90s when Tuscany was subsumed into New Jersey. Yes. Like there's so much beneficial exchange that's gone on. Right. And, the and Sopranos. not so beneficial. Although I guess that was Southern Italy. Yeah. There's a lot of different Italian regions in New Jersey, mm-hmm. really. Um, have you ever spent a year in Provence? <laughs> <laughs> Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.
here's where it's also confusing. Okay. So Faro is sold usually in three different formats. The theme of this episode is to make matters worse. Yeah. So you can buy Faro either as whole grain, and we're talking mm-hmm. about Emmer Faro, okay? Whole grain, that means that basically uh, the none of the bran has been removed. <laughs> Stop I, looking I at okay. me. Um, <laughs> then it's also sold as semi-pearled, in which some of the bran has been removed so that it cooks faster. Or as like full on pearled where it has had all the brand removed and that's going to be the fastest cooking. So I sometimes buy the uh, like quick cooking faro from Trader Joe's, which I assume means it's pearled or semi-pearled. And it's mm-hmm. it's not it's not as good as like yeah. cooking the whole grain, but it's still quite tasty. Yes. Like I, I enjoy it very much. Yeah. Uh, here's the thing that I find a little bit funny. So what we're going to have today is whole faro, whole mm-hmm. grain faro that was grown uh, actually by a Washington State company, Bluebird Farms. Yes. Bluebird Grain Farms. Anyway, and they sell it at the in the bulk section of my supermarket. And here's the thing. It's so easy to cook. I, I kind of don't understand. You know, you read all these articles and people are like, oh, if you're going to use whole grain farro, you need to soak it overnight to speed up the cooking. Well, here's how long this took me to cook, okay? okay. I did this while I was working at home yesterday. I put it... One cup of farro to four cups of water. I salted it. Mm-hmm. I brought it to a boil, let it boil for five minutes. Then I turned it down to a simmer, covered it, set a timer for 50 minutes, walked away, and it was perfectly done. That's that's awesome. That's the and same then I drained ratio it and it was great. of so, grain to water I would use for like Irish oatmeal. And that doesn't even, it's not even that much longer to cook the farro. No, no, I, 50 minutes. I mean, I understand that like when, when we get home from like various after school activities and stuff, like... You know what, what? What after school activities are you involved in these days? Are you on the on the soccer team? Uh, June's in chess club. Really? She is. Does she like it? She chose to be in it. Okay. Okay. So far, I gotta say, uh, you know, I I know that I I only have like uh, seven and a half years of parenting under my uh-huh. belt. Eight years, I guess, if you figure that there's one year between zero and one. Okay. Right. There yeah. we go. Anyway, uh, so far, I'm really liking the effects of peer pressure because June joined Chess Club because a bunch of her friends joined it. Oh, yeah. Peer pressure is great. And June also has now been playing the cello for two years, which she wanted to play because a friend of hers was playing it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I'm like, bring it on, peer pressure. I mean, what could go wrong? Yeah. It, does she know how to play chess? No. Okay. No. <laughs> She's only been in chess club for, for like six weeks. Do I know how to play chess? Not really. I'm impressed that she knows the names of the different pieces. That's good. That's a good start. Can she set up the board? That that took me a long time. Um, to. I think I can well, set up a chess board. Matthew, I wouldn't know because we don't have a chess board at home. Mm. So I think that in order for me to test any of these, you know, get the answers to any of these questions, <laughs> I'm going to have to get a chess board. Question. Do you have a cello? I do have a cello. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a rental cello. cello. Oh my God, man! Oh no, cellos. Don't, oh, don't good buy Lord. a cello for your child. Oh are you my God. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, so here's the deal. I don't really understand why people make such a big fuss about you need to soak whole farro overnight. Like, I don't think 50 minutes of unattended cooking is a pain in the ass at all. A couple of questions. Like, do you know how much time it shaves off if you do soak it? I think it reduces it to like 30 minutes. Big deal. Can yeah, you cook I it in d- the Instant Pot? 
I'm sure you could. Yeah. I'm sure you could. And here's the other thing I like about far out. So sometimes I find cooking rice to be a little bit nerve wracking because, you know, most rice, most recipes. <laughs> wow. <laughs> most rice. Oh, now, now we know what your next book's going to be. <laughs> most, Molly's recipes. Most rice recipes. <laughs> Are designed to have, um, you know, the rice is done when all the water is absorbed. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So uh, here's what I like about farro. It's it's more like cooking pasta. Sure. So at the end, you're going to have leftover water in the pan, and you just drain it out. Like uh, like making a riso in Bianco. Have you ever made a what? riso in no. Bianco? It's uh, when you take, like, risotto-style rice and just boil it in a lot of water and drain it rather than cooking it risotto-style. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's t- It's like fluffy but still chewy it's like totally different from risotto much yeah. like lighter um but delicious am i correct that that is minute rice just boiled and then you drain it i can't remember minute well i mean minute rice is made by by like parboiling and drying mm-hmm. um but you you don't drain minute rice you cook it you cook it like <laughs> when when have i ever like made minute rice like as just to make rice probably never Faro, okay. So what I have here, Matthew, this is just plain old faro that I cooked in salted water. Oh, it's very good, though. It's really good, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I have nothing on here. Like, nothing. Molly has nothing on here. Nothing should give it any flavor. And yet, it's really tasty. And it's got, it's got like this like slightly squeaky, squeaky texture mm-hmm. to it that's mm-hmm. really good. So yeah, I cooked this yesterday. And mm. I should and also- like, the flavor keeps developing. It's so good. It's so good. I should also say that I am not one of those people who um, has like bought into the grain craze. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember reading some book You're recently no that was like, no, no, this is not to say that people, Matthew, don't put words in my mouth. I ain't judging the grain bowls. Okay. Wow. Okay, so... Wow, you're... Uh, anyway. I said you're no dupe, and you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> Rewind there, buddy. I am. <laughs> but you're, like, insulting grain bowls. I didn't even know we were talking about grain bowls. Well, I'm just saying that lately there have been a number of cookbooks that talk about, like, like once a week, when you go to the farmer's market or mm-hmm. go grocery shopping, come home, prep everything, cook a big, like, Tupperware of grains... And then all week long, you can like mix up your various like vegetables that you've prepped and your grains. It does sound pretty good. Right? Very smart. I never do that. Me neither. I don't tend to, for as much as I love vegetables and Mm -hmm. quote unquote plant based eating, I have never craved a, a bowl of grain salad in my life. I don't know if I've However, ever craved one, but like sometimes I've gotten one that was very satisfying. But now that I have boiled these up, mm-hmm. and I will add, I was able to do this while doing other income generating work. I yeah. mean, seriously, what could be easier? Now I'm kind of like, God, why don't I always keep farro in the fridge? Because if I had like like leftover roasted vegetables sure. or like some le- like a leftover piece of salmon, some like shredded chicken, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, what a perfect thing to have around that's like uh filling and delicious matthew yes let's compare this with some other grains that people tend to cook and use you know in soups or things like that when would you choose farro as opposed to like wheat berries or barley or quinoa i matthew i hate quinoa oh wow i don't i don't like it i don't like the taste of it i i neither like nor dislike quinoa i'm fine with it it feels Mm. neutral to me 
Okay, well, definitely farro is more expensive than wheat berries or barley, but yeah. cheaper than quinoa. Mm-hmm. So that's important. I mean, I think this can go wherever you would use a wheat berry or probably even a barley. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do like a beef barley soup very much, yeah. but like a beef and farro soup oh my God, that would be great. awesome. Oh my God, that sounds fantastic. I know, you know that that recipe that I make that's like braised short ribs with wheat berries? Mm-hmm. I'm sure if mm-hmm. you substituted farro, it would be great. You know what I'm thinking? You know Ed Fretwell's soup? Mm-hmm. I'm kind of wondering, it, which is basically a white bean soup with vegetables. I'm kind of wondering what it would be like if I just dumped some like cooked farro in there at the end. Just to I sort of like, great. almost like turn it into almost more like a ribolita mm-hmm. texture. Like, I have no idea. Yeah, when I make farro at home, like often I will... Turn it into like a, a one-dish meal, like with some uh, Italian sausage that I've like roasted and sliced mm-hmm. and some kind of vegetable. And uh, What do you dress your farro with? What do you do with it? It depends. So like if, if I'm doing it that way, I'll, I'll keep it like pretty, pretty plain. So like some olive oil or butter mm-hmm. and salt and pepper. Mm-hmm. If, if I'm making a salad, then, then definitely like a, like a tart vinaigrette yeah. that's going to cut through. Because it's like it's kind of deceptive because it—, it, it Seems like kind of mild flavored at first, but then like it kind of creeps up on you. Randomly, someone mentioned Faro to me yesterday afternoon. Just on the street? Uh, no, I was having a like catch up phone call with my uh, with my half sister, mm-hmm. and she is she is so cool. So mm-hmm. she lives in Tuscany. She, <laughs> she lives in New Jersey. Not, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, she lives <laughs> sorry in Long Island. <laughs> wow, God, I do I even know uh, where Tuscany, my own sibling the, lives? The, news. Breaking news, Tuscany has just annexed Long Island. <laughs> anyway. Uh, no, she is like 22 years older than me and has five grown children. Uh-huh. And she recently left her job as um, a curator at a local art museum in her town. Oh, wow. To become a farmer. That's She's amazing. That sounds difficult. It's really difficult. And yet <laughs> is she, she is, and she's growing farrow? She's thriving. She loves it. Anyway, she... Yesterday, What are some of her top crops? I talked to her when she had gotten home and she was about to make dinner. Out of the blue, she says to me, have you ever cooked farro? And I was like, <gasps> oh my God, are you like... She left her job at the museum to become a psychic. I, well, I was actually wondering if she was being currently like powered by artificial intelligence or oh. something. So she was like... I don't know. Is she listening in through like my phone or maybe my computer? So uh-huh. she's she's tracking what I'm searching Maybe maybe she isn't she, farming. Maybe she maybe, maybe she's, she's farming like, data. She's farming exactly. She's a she's a data miner, only a data farmer. <laughs> you, you, she placed some cookies on your browser, <laughs> yeah. and now she's harvesting those cookies. Yeah. To, anyway, to coin a metaphor. Okay. Anyway, out of the blue, she's like, "Have you ever cooked farro?" And I was like, "What?" So anyway, <laughs> you're like, "Great data farming, Louise." So she. Her name is not Louise. I don't know. You didn't say what her name was. Lisa. Okay. Maybe you did. Uh, her plan was to cook some farro and then maybe make sort of like a, I think she said maybe a tahini-based dressing Oh, that or sounds something. good. We should do a tahini episode. And uh, toss it with a bunch of roasted vegetables from the farm. Oh, that sounds great. Doesn't that sound fantastic? She and said- she, she, she can just like take vegetables from the farm without paying because it's her farm. Well, it's not her farm. She's working oh. on a farm. Oh, okay. I thought I thought she started a farm. She did not start. Okay, I'm not a impressed farm. anymore. Oh, you're not impressed anymore. <laughs> I'm oh still my impressed. God. I'm joking. Uh, no, but seriously, can you imagine being 63 years old and deciding to go 
work in the heat of summer with your hands in a field? No. I am I'm so no. impressed with her like strength and thinking about what she really cares about. It's anyway, now this has turned into a motivational podcast. Right. And and doing all that and all this data mining at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I was also saying to her that you could really toss farro with she could also just make like a French style vinaigrette and toss the farro and the vegetables, maybe some feta in there. Mm -hmm. She was asking me, like, did I think that it was appropriate to have like a like a French French vinaigrette flavor? I hope you said that was totally inappropriate. And I said it's totally appropriate. I think that this is the I think this is a really interesting thing about farro is that it works with so many different flavorings. It seems like she she had kind of a, a like a midlife eat pray love kind of experience. Like she went back to the land. Although what she fell in love with was a sweet potato because she, okay. she told me the other day that she the night before had roasted a sweet potato from the farm and she was like it was just incredible. It was the best sweet potato I've ever had. I mean, I think she had a spiritual experience. She had a, a prey experience uh-huh. and followed her love mm-hmm. under and, the and Tuscan ate, sun and, 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 ate her and became a farmer. Yeah. The the Tuscan sun of Long Island. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was <laughs> so going to say something. Oh, sweet potatoes. Do, have we done a sweet potato episode? I was joking earlier when I said we should do a tahini episode because we just did that. But I'm not sure if we've done a sweet potato episode. I'm not sure either. Because I I don't think of a roasted sweet potato as something I'm really into. But then every time I have one, I'm like, wow, this is really good. so good. Okay, wait. Hold on. I I do want to keep talking about what other things farro is good for. Okay. Delicious in soups. I mean, it, it shows up in just, you know, the, the simplest of vegetable soups in Tuscany. You could even just make a very simple farro salad that's just dressed with pesto. That's delicious. Oh, that delicious. sounds great. I have also used it in mujadra instead of rice. Okay. That's really good. So with caramelized onions and lentils. Yeah. So farro also contains a starch that is similar to that of arborio rice. So you can make a risotto type dish with a, a it. Farrotto. Yes, indeed. I, I have had that and it's very good. It's not not as creamy yeah. and starchy as, as a risotto, but very good in its own way. Also, I think a lot of people use it in uh, sweet preparations too, making like a farro pudding. I don't think I've ever had a that. rice pudding. I have had almost like a, this is going to sound really gross, but it's not, <laughs> like a cheesecake, that, like an Italian style cheesecake made with mm-hmm. ricotta. I've had it with farro in it. Like grains of farro. I think I could see and that. And a little bit of citrus zest. It was very good. So it was like, it, it sounds weird texturally. It didn't feel weird. And it was like nutty and and creamy, but also like that kind of light creaminess of, of ricotta. I, I like I like the idea of this, even though, even yeah. though I'm kind of ricotta phobic. Is it too like uh, cur- curdy? Yeah, it's too curdy. Yeah. Anyway, but, um, I, but I've definitely had a ricotta cheesecake that I liked. We have traveled a lot of places in this episode. We've we met, have. We've met my sister, whose name is apparently Louise. Mm-hmm. We have gone to New Jersey. We have gone to Tuscany. We've, we've gone, gone to, to Florida's we've Paradise Coast, Long Island. Uh huh. And we have um, we've gotten our groove back. Yes, we, and we got our cleft have had back. Spiritual awakenings with sweet potatoes. And we've spent some time under the Tuscan sun. That was a really stirring summary of 
I'd forgotten that and we'd gone we all of those Faro. places. I got a medal for something that I don't remember what the joke was anymore, but I'm going to treasure that medal forever. Yeah. All right. You can find us online at spilledmilkpodcast.com. Are we going to post a recipe or like a link to- I think we could post a link to Bluebird Grain Farms. Okay. That sounds good. Um, Where you could order some farro if you don't have any available locally. They also grow einkorn. Okay. So uh, don't confuse a, your einkorn well, and your emmer farro. That's farro piccolo, I yes. call it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, you can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash spilled milk podcast. Please uh, go to either of those places and let us know what you like to do with Faro because I'm sure we left out a lot of things. Mm-hmm. You can find us on Instagram at spilled milk podcast. I also wonder if people can answer that question you had about uh, the oh, botanical. Is, uh, is the... Faro is diploid versus like our usual hexaploid wheat? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let, it, let us know. Okay. <laughs> All right. We can um, look this up. Our <laughs> producer is Abby Circatella. Uh-huh. And until next time, thank you for listening to Spilled Milk. I'm Faro Grande. <laughs> and, and I'm I, I'm um, Emma Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> You know who would be a good spokesperson for Faro? Who? Emmer Thompson. Who's Emmer Thompson? It was it's Emma Thompson, but I said it like Emmer because mm. let's let's cut this part out. Um, what if I had said Emmer Watson? Would that have been better? Okay. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.